everybody says this. I know that every everybody says this. All the like fifteen year old emo witchy girls that are just like, I have a tarot deck, and I'm so attuned to it that I can always pull the death card. <laughs> I, I can cut right to it. I know exactly where it is because the death and the devil card are a part of my core being. Um, everybody says that. I don't know if you know this. Everybody says that. Here's the thing. I actually can do that. Not because I have a two to it. It's because I mark the cards. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Watch No Evil. This is Matt. And this is Zach. And today we're going to be talking about the 2014 horror film Ouija, which is about a possessed Ouija board and a group of teens who uh, unknowingly unleash something much worse than what they intended to speak to or something like that. It's really hard to say what this movie was going for <laughs> since I believe that most of the construction was meant to be material for the trailer. Yeah. So it feels like there's about two and a half minutes of content, and then there's a 45-minute to an hour and a half wraparound. It's like they wrote an outline, and they're like, yeah, it's good enough. We'll just, we'll, it'll come together. <laughs> I just think about this movie, and it's like, yes, it's fun to watch. No, I do not believe that it is a good movie. Zach, what do you know about the history of the Ouija board? I know nothing about the origin of the Ouija board. I just know that... It was popularized by Mattel uh, in, you know, and mass produced by Mattel. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. Yeah, so it's a spirit board or a talking board. It uses a little planchette. And it's not Mattel, it's Hasbro. Sorry, Hasbro. Which is essentially the same thing. Not Parker uh, At least the spirit board talking board was a holdover from like World War One, like Seance. <laughs> Uh, the the phrase Ouija or Ouija is the trademark of Hasbro. So it's funny to me that uh, a Ouija board includes yes, no, the numbers zero to nine, and then the alphabet, and then the phrases hello and goodbye. So it doesn't have we or ya on it. And also the we and ya are just two different ways of saying yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> in different languages and so i was thinking I, it would be very funny for like a, a midwesterner to deal with a, a ouija board because it would be like we no we no we no <laughs> no yeah sure. yeah no no yeah <laughs> for sure uh no. and it's just i think that that would be really confusing uh i also think that my mom would have a terrible time with this because god love her she cannot say goodbye I think that the spirit would say goodbye before she did. <laughs> God love her. She's a she's a good she's a good Midwestern woman, but can't end a conversation. Um, cannot end a conversation <laughs> for the life of her. I know some people like that. I talked to her <laughs> earlier today, and it's just like, all right, well, I love you. I'll talk to you later, and then brings up something completely unrelated, like, oh, well, before you go, do you know where your birth certificate is? Like. <laughs> It's like, okay, well, we we were just talking about, you know, different types of lettuces that you can buy at the store, but sure, I know where my bird certificate is. Oh, that's too it's, specific to not be real. 
it's just one of those things. And the thing is, like, uh, growing up, my sister was a Ouija board person. Like, we we both have always been into the occult stuff. But, ooh, man, this was like the no. This was the thing, the Ouija board. <laughs> was where we drew the line in getting into the occult bullshit. And actually, it's funny, I used to work at a church when this movie came out, and I remember seeing this movie, going to church, and then my pastor at the time telling my dad that letting me watch movies like this would let the devil into my life. (laughs) Which I think is hilarious, because my dad was the one who wanted to watch and still likes this movie (laughs) (laughs) oh he likes this movie yeah he loves this movie he watches it all the time oh okay all the time this is probably the most watched horror movie in his household really yes that's crazy what does he like about it i think that it's just blasé enough it's just like some it's like easy watching it's really easy watching it's not as intense and it doesn't require as much focus as the conjuring Something it's, like that. It's the movie equivalent of The Office for, you know, a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. You can kind of put it on in the background and you'll never have an issue knowing where you are in the movie. <laughs> That's because true. Because this movie has... Nothing. Two minutes of content. <laughs> so it, it that's the thing about this movie is like they had four shooting locations. <laughs> they had... Blair's house, they had Lane's house, which, let's be honest, Lane's house, probably just Blair's house. Probably just a different part. (laughs) They just redressed it. The asylum where Lin Shay was held, the school. Did they even have anything in the school? I have a hard time remembering. They had just conversation scenes. Which is probably the, honestly, that was probably the same building as the asylum, too. It could have been. It really could have been. They both could have been, like, a university building, you know? And then they found, like, one good little, like, underground walkway thing where they could film that one scene. Yeah. Where the, the, like, shopping cart comes out and oogly spookily's him. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That's, like, actually a pretty good part of the movie, I feel. But then nothing happens. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is funny because it's probably the part of the movie where they just happened to stumble upon that location and were like, we need rewrites ASAP. Uh, hey, can you just run through this scene? <laughs> and it just feels like it just feels like so much of the dialogue in this movie was improvised by the actors. I would bet that and it not wasn't. in a good way. Yeah, I would bet that it wasn't, but it was just it was acted in such a way that it feels that way. It's really flat. Again, super watchable movie. Very, very flat. I feel like they were trying to get, like, drive at something with the whole suicide thing. Like, it it appears that each of the victims commits suicide, and, like, they're teenagers, and, like, in high school, and, like, in teenage, like, friend groups, like, suicide chains. It's really hot right now. (laughs) It's always been really hot. Yeah. But, you know, like, where one person commits suicide, and then it sets off and something in another person and they commit suicide like that's that's a thing that happens and i don't know if this is drawing awareness to that or um i don't think that it is exploiting that i think that part of the movie is hopping on the trend of the occult conjuring was so good annabelle the doll was such a significant cultural icon for a long time Mm -hmm. that then to go to the ouija board which is featured in some of those occult movies Paranormal activity. As like a passing thing. Yes, but it's never 
explicitly used and developed as the thematic material. So this feels like a good time to use it as the thematic material. Yeah. That being said, it also feels kind of like a 13 Reasons Why kind of <laughs> precursor thing. Yeah, it's got like that coat of paint on it. Teen suicide is always the big thing. But that's in a lot of movies that I think are used to, one, introduce really innocuous deaths and two, lead to like a high body count Mm -hmm. in movies. So I, I view it the same way that, for example, Truth or Dare, a lot of the deaths in that are framed as suicides. Uh, a lot of deaths in Final Destination, especially the first one, are, like, framed as suicides. Like, there's the one where death in Final Destination causes the toilet to, to like, leak water at the bottom, and it's, like, huge blue so that you know. And the kid, like, walks through and slips on it, and then he accidentally wraps... He wraps, like, a shower cord around his neck <laughs> oh and asphyxiates God. himself, and they're just like, oh, he killed himself in the bathtub. And then also the water, like, recedes because you need to know that it's supernatural. <laughs> And they couldn't just leave it alone. Yeah. But it's kind of the go-to thing. It also dissuades intervention. It's really easy to write off death in these movies as suicides. And then they don't have to get the police involved. They don't have to get investigators involved. And most importantly for the themes of these movies... They don't have to get the church involved. Well, and and the thing is, like, oh, that's possible, like, sequel material, but also, like, when you have a group of teenagers, like, bringing the church into it, I feel like you don't normally get that combination of things. You know, like, The Exorcist. Yeah, the church is, like, all over that because it's not, like, a teen-based thing. Yeah. I think it's trying to tap more into, like, the cult-following kind of side of the horror community. Yeah, because I think what frustrates me so much about this movie, not only is there such a lack of real content in it, it... It doesn't go hard enough. It pulls back at all the wrong moments. Well, like, even the very climax of the movie when, like, all this stuff is going down, like, they're kind of fighting the demon girl, Doris. Yeah, and Doris, you have to play! Yeah. And it's like, you're not playing with a Ouija board. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're just using it. I don't know. It's not a game. It's not a, it's not a toy. Like, it's literally, that's literally what you're... It's just Nona owned by says, Hasbro. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a toy. But yeah, so she like brings her over there and like there's this like really intense move- moment where she like Doris starts breaking her wrist or twisting her wrist or I don't know exactly what it's supposed to be. And then I want to say Donna. Debbie no, shows Debbie, up. Debbie finally shows up after all this time. It's like, oh, Debbie is here. Debbie shows up and it's just like, this is the deus ex machina we did not need. Yeah. And then, then they just throw the, what did they even throw in the fire? It's the, the Ouija board and what was the other thing? And the body, the body. That was the whole thing. So they unlocked oh, right. the, the, the demon of Doris by cutting open the mouth. And then they had to burn and destroy the remnants of the body to get rid of the board. Yeah. And it's just like all that happens within like 30 seconds. And it's just like, it's not fast as hell. Yeah. It's over in, in no time at all. And it's just like, this is it. That's, that's what we get. And yeah, sometimes movies like really draw out that climactic part, but it's like, eh, strike the difference. You know, it's just over way too fast. And it's like, this is what I was waiting for, really? It's like a blue ball moment. Yeah. And then it's like, Isabel is the girl who's left. It's so funny to me that it's, it is. There's no resolution. Debbie (laughs) and Lane who are at the board. And then it's Isabel who had 
no lines in the entire movie. <laughs> no, no character development. Is for some reason the one that survives to throw the body and the board into the fire, and then we just get nothing with her. Oh, wait. She's. It's like, why are that's, you here? That's Sarah. Isabel's the other girl. Sarah is. is sorry, we get nothing with Sarah. It's just, there's, there's no character it's development there it. either. It's like, oh, she's the troublemaker. And then they have There's the, always a flossing scene. Yeah, and and I was like, what teenagers are flossing? Seriously, it's also like <laughs> it's it's like for whatever reason, flossing just instills so much fear in people that it's just like, ooh, we're gonna make a horror movie, and you know what's worse than anything else? Flossing scenes. <laughs> they are the most opportune time, like Goodnight Mommy, which had that wow. whole like flossing segment, and yeah. it's just like. Who is so afraid? It's, I don't know. I, I think it's... Of like, dental floss. <laughs> it's like a binding kind of thing. I don't know. Maybe it's... I have no idea. It, I, don't, I don't know how you or why you are trying to defend the floss. I'm not trying to defend it. I'm trying to rationalize it. And it's just, it's not rationalizable. Then they tease it later, right? With um, yeah. Lainey. Like, she's flossing yeah. later on. I'm like, why are these teenagers flossing? <laughs> I never flossed as a teenager. And it always shows them from the back because it's like trying to spook you into thinking that something's going to happen. Yeah. And it's just not going to. And that's the thing. And they do the fake out with the mirror too. The mirror. Yes, exactly. It's like, just let it go. <laughs> it's a fine movie though. It's fine. It's, I mean, it's entertaining. Like it's, it is I, serviceable. Yeah. I can see how people like this movie. It's like, it's just, and, and like, I don't know, 10 years ago, it, when I was less cultured and practiced in the ways of horror, like, I probably would have been like, yeah, the movie's fine. It's it a good watch. And now I feel like my standards are higher. <laughs> but yeah. it's just, I don't know, it leaves you wanting more. This is another movie where I think it suffers from promise and expectation because mm -hmm. the Ouija board has such significance in the cultural lexicon of the occult that for it to be used in this way is ultimately unfulfilling yeah it's like with the annabelle doll that annabelle doll in that movie is sort of a cultural figure like we know about it so when that movie happened and the doll hit hard it was successful in this the ouija board is part of it and even though it is the central focus point of the occult part of the movie it doesn't go hard enough well, and I think Annabelle is a good point of comparison because with An the Annabelle doll, you have this like sense of weight behind it. Like there is this mystery and like, this, like ancient, I don't know, this ancient mystery behind it. And it's like, you're like, something's off with this doll. One, it looks really creepy. So like there's that and- Yeah, the innate uncanny valley fear of the dolls. And, yeah, Everybody and the doll, those. it looks nothing like the original like Raggedy Ann Annabelle doll, <laughs> but- Still, it's like, I think that was a good design choice on their part. But with the Ouija board, it's like, yeah, it's a Ouija board. You don't have that. There's no opportunity for that on Candy Valley because, like, it doesn't have a face. <laughs> right? It's not a real thing. Right. It, it's not, like, animated in any way. And, like, it just serves, like, the Ouija board 
it, it just can't come anywhere close because it's not a vessel for a dark spirit. It's merely the gateway for communication with the dark spirits in this house. Yes, that does come from the attic, so you get this impression like, oh, like this, uh, it's from this like previous time period and has this kind of mystery behind it, but it's so quickly revealed and it just doesn't carry that same weight. It's just, oh yeah, she was a medium and that's this is how she communicated with the spirits and invited dark spirits into her house. It's like, okay, well. Right. And I think it. that the thing that they missed out on was the you have to say goodbye part of it. Had they delved into that a little bit more and like had a mystery surrounding it, it would have been fine. But maybe the issue is that they focused too much on the Ouija board. Because I think of like Insidious, where there's not really necessarily an invitation to the spirits, but once the spirits start arriving, there's not a stop. There's not an abruptness to it. And with this, it just doesn't feel like there's enough motion in the course of the film. I think part of that issue comes too between the split between what is the definitive thing that they are trying to deal with. Is it the Ouija board? Or is it the planchette? Because the planchette has the circle, right? It has the glass in it, which is called yeah. the oculus. Mm -hmm. So they make a big point of looking through the oculus. That only ever comes to fruition once for a jump scare. Yeah. I think it would have been a lot more effective had they reused that idea or the necessity of looking through the oculus to find something or to reveal some grander truth would have made it a lot cooler and it also would have tied the Ouija board a little bit more back into the plot of the film because yeah. right now it feels too separated and especially because they do the thing where the eyes will go white mm -hmm. right had the planchette sort of been the cause for that like when they looked through the planchette they would see something that, that would trigger that yeah, that only happened with debbie at the beginning and then no one else and maybe yeah, maybe no one else looked through it maybe laney at the very end because it does that kind of like cliffhanger oh the planchette is back from the fire and she then right. looks through it and then you know fade to black kind of deal and they don't explain why trevor and isabel had their eyes go white it's just sort of assumed that it has something to do with the ghost uh, yeah and, and the thing with trevor too is like okay his wasn't even like framed as a suicide kind of thing so like that kind of goes out the window but then because he's the one who drowns in the pool but yeah. then he's standing in in front of that fireplace and he's like screaming at them and then he just like bursts into smoke and he's just like poof gone it's like this isn't how any of the previous deaths worked it, trailer yeah yeah and it's just like it, they just wanted that that image of like him with his mouth stitched shut and the white eyes and like him turning around being like hmm and for the trailer the stitched mouth thing is a i think a great yeah. little thematic there there's just thing. so much to this like there's a lot of potential and we say this a lot i know but there's a lot of potential and just a lot of like misuse of and abuse of tropes and and just like a lot of details that don't really go anywhere. What was the one you mentioned earlier? The planchette, the Ouija board. The planchette, the Ouija The whole movie. Yeah, the Ouija board. The, the eyes that go white. The thing that really bothered me was Pete's fixation over the chandelier, you know? And you get this impression, or at least I got this impression, that the chandelier is going to have something to do with his death, right? Because there is that scene where, you know, they first use the Ouija board, they first communicate with D at the time, who they assume is Debbie, and then the lights go out, and then they're looking around, and he sees that figure in the mirror that, like, pulls his hand in, but, like, he's mm -hmm. all, like, right before that, he's, like, staring at the chandelier, 
And there's another moment where, you know, st stuff's starting to happen. And he's then staring at the chandelier again. And they make a huge point out of Lainey, like, kind of, like, getting him to snap out of it. Yes. And it's just like, what? It doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> Why? The movie tries to think it's clever. It tries to pretend like all of the foreshadowing is, like, smart and good. And it's just like, no. If we're going to do foreshadowing, it's got to be subtle. Like, the whole pool thing, it's <laughs> it's so obvious <laughs> when he gets there first and yeah. they make, like, a big deal of the pool thing. And you're just what? like... And that's the thing is, like, okay, so you're kind of obvious. But but then, like, th they also did, like, that foreshadowing with the chandelier. And it's like, oh, this is going to have something to do with his death. And then it's not. And it's like, the writers are like, ha, gotcha. You thought that was going to be a thing. And it's like, that doesn't, I don't know if that's what you're going for. Is this gotcha thing? But, like, be It wasn't even a gotcha. It didn't feel like they were trying to foreshadow. It felt like they were trying to add to the runtime. I mean, in retrospect, Yeah. That is how it because feels. Because it's like, ooh, they made a they made a two and a half minute trailer cut, pitched it to the studio, and they were like, great, we're going to need an hour and a half. And they thought, what are we going to do about this? We <laughs> don't have an hour and a half's worth of material. You know, another... So they stitched together. It's just a bunch of these, like, scenes of people staring off or, you know, and put creepy soundtrack underneath it. You know, another thing that was, like, really obvious foreshadowing was, and especially, like, after the fact was when Lainey was watching this video about Ouija boards and it's just like this like 10 second clip and this guy who's like on this YouTube video he's like oh yeah uh the what the Ouija board ends up saying is uh just like your subconscious reaction telling you what you want to hear and <laughs> and then they go and like immediately like that night when they're first using the Ouija board it tells them as D and she's like, oh, it's Debbie. And no one thinks to, to ask, like, was this actually Debbie or is this, like, someone else? It's anyone with, you know, the initial of D. And then the next right. next time, then Pete finally, like, tricks Doris into, you know, kind of revealing herself. You know what might also make this movie unwatchable for me, Zach? No. I have been playing piano for 25 years. And I've been teaching piano for about 10 and a half, something like that. Maybe more than 10. Before I knew you. Mm -hmm. It's really easy to see when people are flexing their arms, which means that every time they did a shot where there were multiple hands on the planchette, <laughs> I always knew exactly which one of the cast members was moving. <laughs> oh, I couldn't tell that. <laughs> because you can see... It, I, I, I bet if you go back and watch it, it is whoever, if you're looking at the board, it's whoever is at the top middle left of the screen because you can see the flex just under the wrist joint on the inner part of their hand. Uh, so you, could, you can see it flex as they pull. You mean it wasn't and I actually saw that, working? <laughs> and I saw that and I was just like, oh no, he's doing it. And then I thought that that was going to be a thing. Like the first time that I saw this, I yeah. thought that it was going to be it's like, oh, someone was a playing thing. a trick. Yeah, I thought it was that was going to be the joke. And they kind of like allude to that a little bit. They say it's just like, maybe it was just Lainey because she's, you know, she's losing it a little bit. And it's like, oh, no, it was actually supposed to be something. That would have actually have been a pretty good movie. Sad. What, what if it was like... If it, the whole thing was Lainey yeah. dealing with, like, the, the consequences of trying to rationalize her best friend's suicide and then making it actually seem like 
Debbie really did commit suicide. And in doing so, she invents this sort of psychological horror where she ends up accidentally or intentionally killing her friends to perpetuate this ghost legend. That'd have been sick as hell. Right? That's there, there's a movie. <laughs> That's a movie. Ouija, we got your rewrites. <laughs> and it's not like I mean it has cliched elements to it, but it's in itself not cliched. And not, you know, overdone like this is. Like, this this came out in 2014, right? Like, so much stuff like this has already been done. It rides the Conjuring fame. I think that that's really the issue, is that it's trying to ride the Conjuring fame. The Conjuring has revolutionized and destroyed possession-based media. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's Because it, it was really good. It, it's also popularized, and I think that's... What, yes. how we get both ends of that spectrum. <laughs> right. When when something like that gets popularized, you get all of the backlash of the, the bad versions of it. You get the grindhouse. And by grindhouse, I don't mean the production company. I mean the, the like, people who are just churning out the material. Yeah, the actual grindhouse before grindhouse The asylum existed. movie, like, styles of yeah. it. Yeah. Speaking of asylums, let's stop casting Lin Shay in <laughs> bad roles. And why? So there's no resolution with her character either. Like, she's like, ah, I, I freed my sister and that was my plan the whole time. She promised and, that she would, I would be. And there's no resolution, right? It's like, come on. It's like, oh, you get the, uh, you get the impression that like, oh, now her sister is either going to like oh, kill her or help her get out of this asylum. Nope. Just, just I would have loved nothing it. Happened. I would have loved it. If she if, killed her. If the sister killed Lin Shay. Right? Lin Shay is such a good actress. Yeah. She's excellent. This movie sucked the life out of her. <laughs> it just is not it's, good. Yeah. It, it, like, for yeah, you watch her in Insidious, right? And she's like really good. And it's just like so natural the way she acts. And then you watch her in this, and it's like kind of a similar character almost, right? And like it's still good acting, but it's it's not. You know, at the same time, it's like it, it's just bad writing. I feel she's hamstringed by the set. Yeah, and one the and script. the and the other actors <laughs> and the other actors. It's just like she is abs in that moment. She's absolutely giving like her her performance is objectively good. Mm-hmm. The problem is the. Things that she is saying are not. Because, damn, like, Insidious, she's so warm. Mm-hmm. And she gives the, that that series so much heart. There's a reason why when they did the first Insidious movie, they were like, oh, we got to bring her back. And then when they did Insidious 2, even though they <laughs> killed her, her at the end again. of Insidious 1. <laughs> yeah, well, because they killed her at the beginning of Insidious, or at the end of Insidious, right? So for Insidious 2, they were just like, oh, everyone loved her. Which was like a we're huge bringing twist her back. too, right? Yeah. And so then they bring her back and she's like the she's like the ghost. And then they were like, oh, no, Prequel. she was the thing holding <laughs> this franchise together. <laughs> and it's just like this movie is just like I wanted. I They did her so dirty. Mm-hmm. Well, and this kind of brings up one of the things I want to talk about. Is I, I would be really interested to see what they left on the cutting room floor on this because like it may have no i think they did i bet that there are some lynchay scenes where it, it, there's just a little bit more 
you know? Because she's only in the two scenes. Like, she's a minor character. So, like, I kind of yeah. get it with that. But I bet there's some deleted scenes off of this that would tie things together a little bit more. This movie blows. <laughs> <laughs> just, to, just to go back to it. And it doesn't blow that bad is the problem. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's, like, not that bad. Yeah, it, it, it's, again, it's, it's one of these things that we always say. We've been saying it a lot this season, particularly. Is that it had potential. Like, it could have been, with just some changes, it could have been really good. It's just kind of missing a point. And it's not super clear also, like, why is Doris like this? Like, oh, Dark Spirits, you know, came to her because her mom used her as the vessel for communicating with spirits and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, clearly a vessel is not needed because they they communicate with these sp the spirits of the mother and Doris just fine without a vessel. <laughs> so it's like, it breaks its own rules. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. You know, it's like actually a really cool image is when Debbie hangs herself with the like Christmas light strand, which is so unrealistic, right? It would so quickly unplug from the wall and not actually do anything. But it's a really cool image. And then we have yes. the continuity errors with that. I also think it would have been cool if the lights had broken. Or had turned off. Yeah. Because then it kind of would be reflective of like, oh, the light in her is shutting off. It's because she died. Yeah. Like, it would have been well, they couldn't a get cool that to little happen. symbolic thing. <laughs> yeah. If they had extended it, like, again, this movie needs to go harder. I think that it would have been incredibly cool if Debbie, possessed by this spooky ghost thing going to kill herself, we see her pull the lights away from her thing that looks like it's a fireplace in the upstairs bedroom. It is a fireplace. Having us actually watch Debbie do the preparation for Hank, because that's the thing. Either you you show just the aftermath of the, of the suicide, or you show leading up to it without the result, because it that's a taboo thing to show in film. Have Debbie mm -hmm. actually do all of the preparation stuff so that when she falls... The lights go out at the exact moment where she would have hit. Yeah. A much cooler scene. That would have been cool. That symbolically references what's happening, but also I think goes a little harder because you see the what leads up to it rather than the result. Yeah, that that leaves you like with like this really like grandiose sense of what happened and like also it's just like it would be like kind of suspenseful, like, oh did did it go out or did it like break or what happened oh nope, she died man yeah we should let's just remake this movie everyone's doing it <laughs> yeah thank you everyone for listening to this week's episode of watch no evil this is matt and this is zach you can find us on patreon you can follow us on our socials at instagram facebook twitter tiktok and I'll leave you with this today, Zach, uh, as our closing line. I have a joke for you. Okay. What do you call a half horse, half child that was summoned during a demon ritual? What adjective would you use to describe them? Half horse, half child. I, I don't know what. Cultish. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. That's good. Did you come up with that? Yes, I did. Oh, my God. <laughs>